This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep orders moving efficiently? Ice Corp is your supply chain specialist. They specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. You can get a free assessment. Visit them at icecorp.ca. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting just for you. Remember to check out last week's episode where we go over the pros and cons of local versus offshore manufacturing with Sheena and Monique from MSH District. So hi everyone and welcome to the show. Today we have two powerful guests from iLevel. They come to us from Portland, Oregon, sharing their unique views on the role of supply chain and logistics managers. Before we start the debate, let's get some background. So Andrew Rodham is the Supply Chain Manager for iLevel Inc., a global retail branding and design firm based in Prague, Czech Republic. Andrew is a graduate of Colorado State University where he received a BS in chemistry. After graduation, Andrew started his career in Southern California working for an aerospace materials company doing new product research and development. In this position, he partnered with every major aircraft manufacturer to develop innovative material solutions and received a company Apex Award for his contributions. His success in this industry eventually led him into a position with the company's technical services department. Here he managed a team responsible for compliance testing and supply chain risk mitigation. After three years in the aerospace industry, Andrew decided to diversify his background by accepting a position as a supply chain manager for iLevel. In his time with iLevel, Andrew has developed the company's North American supply chain from the ground up and has been responsible for the expansion of the company's global supply net network into Central and South America. And Gina Friesen currently is the logistics manager for iLevel Inc., a global retail branding and design firm based in Prague, Czech Republic. She has over 20 years of logistical warehouse experience, including but not limited to shipping domestic, international, ocean, LTL, FTL, ground, air, and all tasks associated with warehousing and inventory. Her diverse background of commodities, beverage, sports, food grade, fixtures, retail, wholesale, and freight forwarding helps her understand and orchestrate pro projects to a client-specific needs. Companies such as UPS, Nike, Marriott Resorts, Goodwill Industries, Oregon Transfer, Jacobson, and a local H. VAC company. So welcome Gina and Andrew. You are both in positions that are crucial to any business. So let's start, let's get started with your version of supply chain and logistics. What do they mean to you? You know, that's, uh, thank you, by the way, for uh, having us. We're, we're both uh, very excited to be joining you. Um, you know, you, you ask an interesting question because I think uh, you know, one thing that we would probably both agree on is that in the world of uh, retail fixtures, uh, supply chain and logistics kind of take on a, a separate definition. 
um, than you might see for a more typical corporate uh, entity. Um, for myself, I guess the, the grand definition of supply chain for what we do is having a, a base network of suppliers or providers that you know have the ability to manufacture our fixtures. Uh, pretty generic answer, but more importantly, um, a network of developed suppliers that fall in line with company goals. Um, one thing that I would say about iLevel is that we're a very uh, value-driven and goal-oriented uh, company. And for us, the supply chain focuses uh, a lot on developing those values and goals with our uh, supply partners to get to that point. So. While it, while it is your base network of suppliers, it's, it's more than that. It's uh, kind of an extension of, of the company in both production as well as value. Sure. Um, so logistics here is a little bit different than maybe logistics at a typical 3PO warehouse company. We are kind of like a mediator from the front office rollout uh, to the warehouse where we facilitate both um, areas in getting the orders ready and completed and shipping them out to the client, making sure that we have the best carriers on hand with the, uh, obviously, best pricing and constantly uh, working each carrier against each other to achieve a goal of, you know, the bottom line. So where do you find your roles kind of overlap or kind of mingle in with each other? goes and finds uh, vendors where as well as I go to find vendors. However, um, he has to find uh, additional vendors for the front office where I'm just looking strictly for anything that has to do with warehousing or logistics. Um, and Andrew would be looking for, um, I don't know, anywhere from logistics to uh, suppliers, metal suppliers to wood suppliers. Um, it's, just, it's, a, it's a larger scale that he works on. Okay. So the, the interaction that we usually see between the two of us oftentimes uh, ends up in meeting rooms. When we, we meet with those corporate partners, uh, especially for the logistics companies, and we sit down, um, Gina usually provides a, a very good kind of reference point in terms of uh, needs or expectations from her department side. And then I typically dive in and have a discussion about the types of uh, locations they'll be picking up from, the types of products that they will be picking up from, and that's, that's kind of oftentimes where you see overlap uh, from an interpersonal standpoint. But like Gina mentioned before, um, there's a lot of back and forth when it comes to the sourcing uh, on that front. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, people take a look at supply chain and then they take a look at logistics and they, they kind of intertwine the two, the two terms. And it's, it's just nice to see the, the difference in that you've got two, you know, very different roles um, within iLevel that is specific to supply chain and specific to logistics. So, Andrew, I want to ask you, what are your biggest challenges in supply chain? You know, I, I laugh about that because um, I, I ask myself that question almost daily. You know, what is today's challenge or uh, what is this week's challenge? Because, you know, a lot of times um, it, it can be different. I would say overall the biggest challenge I have uh, when it comes to sourcing or even, in, uh, you know, coming up with uh, 
suppliers to work with. It's a lot of times the, the fact that we work in an industry that does not uh, readily permit, um, I guess, forecasting is, a, is the best way to put it. You know, a lot of times in the supply chain world, you have a lot of leverage when it comes to working with suppliers, not only to, uh, you know, develop a new fixture platform or a new uh, idea concept, but just in sustaining a partnership or a relationship with these companies. And because uh, our forecasting, our projects, I would say, are more intermittent and smaller on the volume side, uh, it makes it very difficult sometimes to develop the level of quality out of our suppliers that we would like to see. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one challenge, I would say, we uh, kind of experience, or I experience. The other would be, um, from an internal standpoint, uh, a lot of times it's difficult to cater to the individual needs of each client team or each project team. Um, and the kind of elaborate on that a little, each of our client teams here has a completely different array of uh, you know, fixtures and products that they're producing. It's not the same metal piece, it's not the same wood piece, and so because of it, you have to have a more robust platform in that sense, and uh, a lot of times it can be uh, an arduous undertaking. So then on the other, other side of the coin, Gina, in your role, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing in logistics then? Um, I would probably go with communication. Pricing is not always necessarily the biggest challenge because I can work, uh, you know, each one against each other in a sense. Uh, the only problem is sometimes those, you know, freight orders want to say, oh, I want all your business. Well, I can't always guarantee that they're going to get all their business. Um, right up front. Uh, so I would just tell them to just please make sure that they communicate with me on what uh, my pricing is, what they can and can't do so that I can be straight up front and tell them what my expectations are and ask them, you know, are you going to be able to meet that? Because I don't want somebody saying, yeah, 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 I can do this, I can do this. And then they get there and they pick up the freight and they get to the destination. They're like, oh, yeah, we can't do this. Because, you know, then we fail in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. happy. Um, so again, probably communication is probably the biggest key that I um, that I you know that I struggle with per se. Yeah, so on the pricing side, I mean, so you're going to a few different um forwarders to, to get the best price. There there's you know, there's a debate on that there's a debate on that as well. You know, some companies like to work with one company, whereas other companies like to spread it around and, and, and work with two or three right. different freight forwarders. So Right, but if you put all your eggs in one basket, that is really not smart thinking because what if something happens and you have a huge rollout and you're only allowed one person? Are you sure that they can really facilitate all your needs? No, probably not. So if you have a pool of people that you've established a great relationship with and along with pricing, then, you know, you can pull rabbits out of your hat all day long if you need to. And sometimes in our business, that's daily. So, um, you know... There's always a last-minute emergency, and I have to reach out to somebody and ask for a favor. And again, having a large pool makes it so much easier. I I am disagree with people that say it has to be just one. Yeah, that's that's a really great point, and I, I just wanted to get your take on that because it, it is such a debate. You know, so, some people look at it, you know, that way, and and some people look at it the other way. But um, well, so I kind of think that there, some people think if I go with one person, I give them all my business. I'm going to save 
save so much money. Well, in reality, you're not really. If you have a large rollout and you send it out to three different orders and they come back and you take the um, smallest dollar amount for each location, you're going to end up saving even more in the long run for your whole large rollout. Instead of it being, let's just say, 50000 and another person 70000 another person is 75000 well, you might actually get it all the way down to maybe 40000 by going with the lowest price for each destination. Absolutely. Yeah. So where do you see the risk in supply chain and logistics and how do they differ to you guys? Did you say risk? Yeah. 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 Risk. Risk. Um, well, uh, for me, I, you know, I don't know if Andrew would agree, but for me, taking on a, a new uh, supplier that says that they can do something it's always scary to me, and that's a risk that we take by using them. We usually make take a small order to try them out first before we just unleash a large rollout because you really don't want to fail um, on a large rollout. It's different if it's just maybe one store and you're trying them out. That's, that's my biggest risk. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good point. I think with the – and I, I would say this is probably at a – a detriment of um, the way that we are currently set up and something that we are addressing is how how do you go about assessing a new supplier's capabilities, whether it's a logistics partner or, uh, you know, a fixture provider here? There's a lot of risk that goes into, uh, you know, kind of producing with the supplier. And you might sit there and say, all right, well, if you have a particular program, why don't you do a little bit of front-end development uh, you know, prototyping, things along those lines. Um, Gina hit on something that's, uh, you know, very, very uh, true in our industry, and that's a short timeline. A lot of times uh, we're not afforded the time, I would say, to be able to adequately develop a supplier. And I think, you know, a lot of that ties into where we end up seeing our risk, because uh, if we don't have the time to develop a supplier to kind of the full extent that we need to be in, uh, we may encounter an issue where, you know, heaven forbid a supplier is shut down midway during production or uh, I mean, these are all things that have happened before, uh, before I joined the company and things that they have scrambled to try and assess. Um, so that's actually been one of my, my big, I guess, Awesome. Well, I know I know that we've we've talked a lot about suppliers and and different things like that. I know that Gina's gone into the fact that you rely heavily on your you know, your freight forwarders, uh, not only for service, but for price. So I guess from a supply chain standpoint, Andrew, who do you rely on heavily in your role? And maybe Gina, if you want to jump in here and just add, you know, maybe some other outside vendors that, that you rely heavily on on a daily basis to to really, um, you know, succeed in your roles at eye level. Uh, for our, you know, there's always supplies that we need for packaging and getting ready to ship items out. So we do have a handful of suppliers that um, sell us, you know, shrink wrap, corner boards, pallets, etc. And uh, we always, you know, you want to get the cheapest price you can. And 
So your, you know, your product gets from point A to point B in one piece. Um, so for us, it's like finding that right supplier that provides us a good quality and then a great price and can fulfill the needs that we want at the last minute uh, for things that we might accidentally run out of as well. And I agree with that. I mean, we have the, the couple suppliers here uh, locally that we rely heavily on. Um, and that's, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. Yeah, we like having a local supplier because it makes it easier for us to kind of manage uh, from an internal standpoint. But um, the reason our relationships are so strong and we can rely on these people uh, is because uh, the amount of development work that went into uh, you know, kind of building that relationship uh, did a really good job as far as kind of setting us up to be uh, a firm partner of theirs. I mean, uh, in our in our line of work, the partnership and the relationship that is held between uh, our company and the other company is really what allows us to be successful. So we've got uh, three or four very, very close suppliers I can think of off the top of my head that would you know, drop most things in an instant to help us out in a pinch and uh, usually try and uh, help us out with the pricing aspect as well. Um, but on, on kind of the swing side, when you talk about who do I rely on, I would say another important thing to throw out is that I rely a lot on the uh, project managers uh, for the teams that I have in the office uh, because a lot of times the project managers are the ones who are ultimately responsible for helping me develop these new suppliers. So, you know, kind of making, uh, making good relationships and uh, building good, uh, good positions with your PMs to be able to work with new suppliers. Those are the, the two people or two sides, I guess I would say, I rely on the most. Yeah, it's, it's really important to mention internal teams as well as, you know, the outside vendors. Now, I think in your role as a supply chain, you include anything from sourcing to purchasing to transportation. Is that, is that correct? Oh, yes. So, I mean, uh, I, I could rattle off a list. I've got, you know, metal wood, uh, plastic graphic. Those are kind of our core suppliers that we use from a development uh, standpoint on fixtures. Uh, I dip into the temp agencies for our personnel here. I dip into uh, physical warehousing solutions internationally. It's, it's a very robust role uh, when it comes to not only assisting where you can in the office, but also kind of being the technical point of contact that, um, you know, people look for that expertise here, especially if they're trying to, you know, tie up loose ends with other projects that may not be directly involved with fixtures in general. Yeah, so you're constantly dealing with a lot of different people across across the globe, I would imagine, in, in various different capacities. And I just, I'm, I'm actually wondering, you know, for you to stay on top of innovation, to stay on top of trends, maybe to find these different suppliers that, that um, you want to take a look at and you want to see, you want to be at the forefront of innovation. So where would you get that information? What, what do you use to, to be able to source and make sure that you're, you're dealing with the right people, that you're keeping on top of trend and, you know, that you're, that you're making the most out of the supply chain? That's a really good question. Um, so I would say there's kind of there's three separate avenues that I 
utilized uh, whenever I'm looking into trends or, you know, any changes in industry, et cetera. Uh, first one is actually internal. Um, we do have a global supply chain team um, that I am a representative of, and uh, we meet about once a month, twice a month. We have a representative based in China, a representative based in Europe. Uh, we're about to get another representative based in uh, South America. So having those conversations and kind of utilizing the knowledge that your peers have kind of collected is very useful. I mean, especially when you're in a niche industry like this, it's, it's great to kind of have three or four times the brain computing power, power on that sense. Um, from kind of an external standpoint, I subscribe to kind of a number of feeds. Uh, my favorite one is the, the Wall Street Journal has a uh, supply chain and logistics report that they put out daily. Um, and it's, it's not only an interesting read, but I would say there have been a couple times where, uh, you know, you read some information and you kind of are able to act on it before you encounter an issue downstream. Um, you know, I'm sure that you have heard about the uh, Hanjin bankruptcy. Yeah. And uh, that was one such thing that came across our radar. And it's like, all right, got to prepare our client teams uh, to have those conversations that, you know, you're going to see increased rates because of this. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would be kind of area number two would be utilizing online reports uh, such as that. And then the third, um, which coincidentally is how we ended up uh, connecting uh, seminars, uh, going to various seminars, uh, supply chain related or logistics related. Uh, when, <laughs> when I have the break point in my schedule, I should say, um, it is always very interesting to sit down and listen to other professionals in other industries. Um, it's, yeah, a lot of times we can get a little closed-minded because of the, the field we find ourselves in, um, but talking to other professionals in the industry and listening the, you know, and gleaning from them the trends or the changes that they have made internally is, is huge. I mean, I can tell you right now there are a couple things that I was able to implement uh, based on a couple conversations, one of which was actually with um, an Intel sourcing specialist uh, that we kind of coordinated a little bit on and it helped out as far as organization goes on our end. Um, so that's, I would say that's kind of a good start or a good, uh, I guess, direction yeah, to yeah. kind of brainstorm and figure out new, innovative ways or ways that you've never been thought about. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I and I will say, especially since I, you know, I went to school for, you know, a science. So when it comes to the, the thought power that may go into this, it tends to be a little different uh, track of mind, which is nice because it allows me to take some of the the things that I see and kind of bring a, exactly an analytical or abstract mindset to it. Yeah, you started off, and I don't think I went into this in your bio, but we, we are going to have it in our uh, Humans of Supply Chain section on our website, but you started off as a chemist. I did. I did. Um, I actually worked for an aerospace materials company and did um, product research and development for years, actually. You know, it's different, different than what I do now. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting, and, and that's kind of why we we started that segment on our website. Just 
just purely on, you know, how people find themselves in the supply chain and logistics world and, and where they've started and, and how they en- they've ended up in this industry. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, we used to have a, a saying kind of in the, in the role that I held previously. You know, it takes a lot of uh, brain power to be a scientist, but it takes a lot of uh, emotional intelligence to uh, communicate with the scientists. And I found myself in the, the unique position of having kind of both of those, which made it easier for me to have those technical conversations um, with other individuals. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that for sure. You, you need a little bit of both to be in, in supply chain and logistics, that's for sure. Absolutely. So this one is for the both of you guys. I guess you could answer it one at a time. Where do you see supply chain and logistics in the next five to 10 years? And what challenges do you foresee? You mean as far as industry or as far as that here at eye level? Um, as far as industry in general. Um, that's, that's kind of a tough question for me because, um, well, with the port closing here in Portland per se, um, that causes issues for us that we have to go to Seattle, so we have to be a little more creative. Um, and I think that as time moves on, uh, smaller ports will close, and it will make uh, shipping things via ocean a little more expensive for people inland and even for people that are slightly inland from the um, ocean. Um, rail, rail has been picking up a lot. Uh, not my favorite way to send things because you have less control, um, but I see that people might start really moving things more over rail than over road to probably save a little bit on fuel surcharge, et cetera. Um, air freight is always going to be there. Um, however, I don't know if that's going to differ in the future or not, but I do believe that road and uh, railway will make a big change if there won't be as much road. Oh, I agree with you on the, the logistics front. Um, you know, the other thing that I think will be interesting to see is when you look at a lot of these, like, uh, self-navigating uh, drones or uh, yeah, ships or right. cars, anything like that. I mean, given another five or ten years, and you're going to see some pretty significant changes. I mean, even in just, like, the courier type mm-hmm. work that we do around the office. Right. Um, you know, from a supply chain standpoint, it's, it's always interesting to look at the kind of industry trend right now. Um, when you have companies that are, that, you know, have been primar- primarily focused from a production standpoint in areas, um, Southeast Asia, kind of shifting countries that they're manufacturing in, shifting regions overall where they're manufacturing in, it, it does leave you wondering where your supply chain is going to end up. A lot of people are saying that you're going to see a pretty significant surge in the homegrown uh, supply chain network. Uh, a lot of other people are you know, putting a lot of their eggs into Mexico and uh, other Latin American countries. I would say in about five or ten years, you're going to see a lot more production uh, suppliers closer to home. Um, but the other thing I would say, too, is you're not going to see a lot of, how to put this exactly, you're not, for our industry, for eye levels industry, you're not going to see the, the same type of orders. I mean, we used to have some 
volume-sized orders, but I think it's a lot of time. More individual. Individual. For that. Now, for rollouts, instead of a large rollout. Exactly. More sensitive. Yeah. You're, it, it has to do with, you know, the fact that uh, we're combating in the retail industry the online retail industry. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of our clients here are focusing on what they can do to kind of be the you know, the biggest and the best, or kind of give you that wow in-store uh, in experience. Right, so and you right in. Exactly. And I think what we've seen is you're no longer seeing a, you know, wow Nike store that's consistent across the nation. You're seeing uh, Nike Soho looks different from Nike Washington, D.C., which looks different. And I think that will have a pretty significant impact and provide some challenges as far as finding suppliers that are willing to kind of do those one-offs, um, especially at the price points uh, we typically try and push for. So I think that's where I'm going to have the most okay. challenge in the future. Yeah, you're you're no longer going to be dealing with volume, and uh, everybody every every single retail store. Yeah, and every single retail store is 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 going to be unique because they're going to try to draw in different audiences. And and you're right. I mean, we're going to see. I mean, the numbers are just staggering on 3D printing. You know, so we're going to be see, seeing a lot more raw materials being imported. I think that you know the driverless trucks that are going around. Europe right now I, I think that's just gonna spread so we've got I mean it's right. exciting but we've we've got a lot of we've got a lot of new things entering the space in the next couple of years and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see where it takes us so yeah so on that note I mean Andrew Andrew kind of touched base on some of the um, some of the literature that you're reading from the from the Wall Street Journal um, online, but as far as the top supply chain and logistics companies and executives, who are you following? I know with social media, we're all sort of connected in different ways, and I just wonder if there's, from an online standpoint, are there any executives or companies in the supply chain and logistics space that you are you're following currently to see how they're how they're changing maybe their supply chain how they're how they're being innovative um, those types of things. Uh, when I have time, uh, which isn't very often, <laughs> um, I do follow Paige Robinson. They have a. Uh, five-weekly little uh, newsletter that they send out about what's going on. Uh, BDP International sends me something every week stating what's going on around the world as far as logistics, ports, etc. cetera. Um, and I kind of get a little you know, feedback from that. And then I also um, get a little bit of updates from my actual freight forwarders. If something is totally just coming out of left field, it happens. Um, that might not have made it to the news yet, they kind of send you a little email, hey, beware, this is what's going on. Um, but again, the white pages from C.H. Uh, Robinson are really helpful. Andrew, did you want to, um, do you have any companies sorry. that you're following from a supply <laughs> chain standpoint? Oh, sorry, I was, late. I was like, I didn't know if you wanted to check in there or not. <laughs> uh, no, so... Uh, I, I will admit, this is uh, from kind of a, a personal standpoint. I do have some uh, family members and close friends that actually work for some of the retail brands uh, that we work with. Um, one that I have recently started looking into uh, more and more is Nike. 
Um, it's, it's very interesting, you know, especially given where they were position-wise five, ten years ago. It's incredible to see what level of change has kind of taken place uh, both inside the organization but as well uh, with their uh, overall network, I would say. Um, yeah, very true. Um, and in addition to that, uh, having still uh, having some time to my previous aerospace industry, um, I do look at uh, Boeing and Airbus uh, quite a bit. Um, we, we used to collaborate with them uh, at the company I worked for previously and tried to integrate a lot of their supply chain type uh, requirements, activities, et cetera, and uh, I still find those useful here today. Um, and then to tack on to Gina, I also do follow, um, follow C.H. Robinson and Expeditors and, you know, a couple of the large names when it comes to the logistics world. That's awesome. No, those are those are really great companies to uh, watch and follow. Nike, especially. I mean, with them going into uh, the app with the Nike Training Club, I'm 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 a user of that app, and uh, it's amazing yeah, what, yeah. What, what they've done in that space is just crazy. That's great. And, and before I forget, I kind of tossed this one out there, and I I can't believe I gleaned, or just kind of ran over it, but um, Amazon. Amazon is also one that intrigues me on a daily basis. Um, I have a, a close friend of mine who actually works uh, as a project manager on a lot of the drone-based work that they do, and it's always intriguing to kind of talk with him and hear about uh, what sort of things they have up their sleeve. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, they're definitely leading the future in supply chain, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's incredible. They've some very, very, very smart people uh, working there. Good, uh, good minds behind the magic, I like to think. So what's next in your roles at eye level? I mean, staying or going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just joking. Uh, for myself, um, <laughs> where am I going within eye level? Well, you know, it's a good question. Um, hopefully within the next... Uh, I don't know, three to six months, I'll get my promotion to operations manager. Uh, after that, um, I think, you know, um, I'll probably just stay at that because I don't really, I don't want to have too much responsibility. I still want to have a life outside of work. Um, and, you know, the higher you move up, the more stress you have. So um, for me, again, I like to be an operations manager and being able to help out the logistics team, the inventory team, and the warehouse with all the vast knowledge that I have from the past and helping them move towards a, you know, more efficient future. And for myself, uh, one thing that we've been kind of pushing for is, you know, our, our global stamp, uh, making sure that our entities are kind of operating with a, a global mindset uh, as opposed to kind of a individual components of the network sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if that makes as much sense as I wanted to, but uh, just kind of being able to tie together what, um, you know, what resources and supplier networks, et cetera, that we have at our disposal right now. And then um, we're actually owned by a larger corporate entity, uh, Interworking, and uh, one of my pushes there will be uh, to figure out if there's a good position that would kind of 
uh, allow high level to segue into their resource network as well. So just coordinating things on a, on a global stance is where I'm hoping to shoot for Awesome. Well, that brings us to a close for this episode. But I want to say that uh, we're definitely going to be following you guys and following iLevel into the future. We just want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Such a great show. So many times logistics is seen as supply chain and vice versa. So we hope that you have a clear, defined answer on supply chain and logistics. Thank you to Gina and Andrew for that. Next episode, we get right into the demand curve. Where is shipping going? With Ken O'Brien from Gemini Shippers Group. With everything going on with Hanjing recently, you won't want to miss this next episode. For all of our past episodes and information on our guests, visit our website at twobabestalksupplychain.com. Have a good one, and just remember people, ship happens.